Well, howdy, everyone. <laughs> that was very Texan. I know it was. Well, we were just talking about. Wait. Do you like Utah I or Texas we more? Let's just oh, get to it. Let's we, just get to it. Oh. Do you love Utah or Texas more? Oh, Texas more than Utah. But I love Utah. So I'm not like anti Utah, is okay. what I'm trying to say. Okay. But um, this is the Revival Podcast. We were just talking about growing up. And so that's where I was in my Texas mood when I started. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. Yeah. And this podcast, just so you know, we move through a conference talk every single week and talk about the, man, what are the, where's the reviving part of this? Like, I think living the gospel of Jesus Christ helps someone live an abundant life filled life you know? And so we just look for that every single week and encourage you on your faith journey and just make sure you know, like, it's not dumb to live a, <laughs> a life of faith that actually can be fulfilling and, and exciting and challenging. And anyways, it's cool. Um, this week we're, we're doing this talk and this is the name of it. The name of it is there can be nothing so exquisite and sweet as my joy. Exquisite is Christian's favorite word right now. Use it, describe everything. I was really? like, how was, how was your dinner? Exquisite. Like it just is his best word. I think it's a word we need to bring back. Christian's trying. Um, it's interesting because, okay, so there's a lot of talk. I hear a lot of people will talk about the day that I walked away from faith, I got happier. Like I, I wasn't like held down so much. I wasn't, but there's usually the, the common phrase is my life got more fulfilling and it got happier and I finally experienced, you know, joy or whatever word is being used there for my very first time. And, and that's interesting because it seems like scripturally the promise is that living the gospel of Jesus Christ is, I mean, we talk about this is, I mean, the title of it, right, is there was nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. And so we're hearing two different stories <laughs> Um, at the same time. And to be honest with you, I see a lot of evidence, you know, of actual happiness. Like when somebody says that, they say it with a smile on their face and, and they, you know, they'll give some of their reasons. And then, you know, sometimes I go to church and I see a grumpy face, you know, <laughs> up on the, <laughs> up on the stand. And I'm like, well, if we want to talk about <laughs> what we actually see here, you know, I, I don't know. I remember, so, yeah, I remember one time we were talking uh, on campus. Me and you? Yes. Oh, okay. And we, we there's this interesting phenomenon because some people will say, oh, I've left faith and I'm just so much less judgmental now, or I have a much better mental health now or whatever. And we were talking about how you can get a lot of those things, if not all of them within the context of faith. Yeah. And so sometimes people pose sort of this false you know, dichotomy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I either have to have be a non-judgmental purpose, I mean, person or have faith, it, you know, and it, it would be interesting if Jesus had actually commanded us not to judge, then, you know, that would be a way of actually living out our faith. Right. And so, you know, and we, we want to, um, be careful and cautious and be understanding and, and not just call people liars, but sometimes I do wonder if they've, if some people have discovered goodness in a way that they, they could have added that into their faith life yeah. as well. Yeah. But we're going to go even deeper with this talk. I mean, we fortunately, we get to really unpack what does it mean to have joy 
today in this episode. Yeah, and if it's a scriptural promise, right? And it's over and over and over again. And so, okay, what's that actually look like then, right? In, in the context of living immortality with everything messy and complicated about living in a faith community, you know, all the above, and living a life where things go wrong and people do you dirty and like all those things, there's still a scriptural promise, an underlying promise that says that you can have, you can have joy. And, and I think we have to maybe define it. I don't know if we want to do that right now or, or whatever, because somebody can use that word. And so, and people will say it, you know, in talks, in church and stuff like that. They're like, I'm not talking about you know, the ha- happiness and joy are two different things. And it's just like, oh, only if you define them as such. So right, we, right. you actually would have to be deliberate about how you define, I think, one of these words to know what we're even talking about. And other Craig Christensen's actually, he's going to do that. He's going to start off pretty quickly by helping us sort of see what joy isn't um, and what it is. This, this is what he says. In the scriptures, the word joy typically means much more than passing moments of contentment or even feelings of happiness. Joy in this context is a godly attribute found in its fullness when we return to dwell in the presence of God. It is more profound, elevating, enduring, and life-changing than any pleasure or comfort this world can offer. So immediately right there, I mean, there's so much to be said about that, but immediately there's something otherworldly about it. Yeah. It seems that right. This, I, it's interesting you say that because yeah. I thought that same thing. It was like then this world can offer, which means that there's there might be things in this world that hint at it and direct us towards it, but the ultimate source of the kind of joy we're talking about goes much deeper than this. Now, C.S. Lewis he uh, grew up sort of as a Christian culturally and became an atheist pretty quickly uh, before he later became a Christian. And in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, he spends a lot of time... That's the name of it? It's literally called Surprised by Joy, yeah. No way. Yeah. It's such a good name. If you want to see an awesome documentary, it's a short version of it. It's called The um, the Reluctant Convert or The Most Reluctant Convert. Huh. And it's just an hour-long version. And they just take a lot from this book. And it's this man who plays C.S. Lewis, and he's like talking to the camera. It's excellent. But this is how Lewis defines it. And this is this is like AP Revival Podcast. We're going to go deep here for a second, okay? This is what he says, quote, An unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. I call it joy. So Lewis says there's something about it that creates a longing to have it more. And in that longing, it's satisfying but it also creates a desire to have it more and more in our lives. It's something that's really hard to explain quickly. I think most of us have experienced it, but it's covered up very quickly in our cheap high fructose corn syrup screen filled world Mm. where there's a longing for the infinite, for the divine, for uh, something that is deeply satisfying. And when we feel it, We're like, oh, I want that more. Mm. It it comes to us from outside of this world. Mm. And and we seek after it more and more and more. So here's a, well, I want to say this and then ask a question. Hopefully I don't forget the question. Okay, let me say the question first because then you you can remember it. Um, You said, so we seek after, it comes from somewhere else 
but yet we seek after it. So it's sort like, I'm just curious what you think about what the, can I grab hold of it? Like, is it something, because he calls it a godly attribute, which means it, right. it seems to be a gifted attribute, joy is. And it, so it seems to be a given thing, not an earned thing. So where's my role in, I don't know, seeking after it. That's my question. Do you want to answer that yeah, right now? In, in fact, okay. Elder Christensen's going to say something really profound about that. Exactly. But let me say it like this. One of the ways that I experience this kind of joy is through nature, is through hikes. And it's sort of, you see a uh, beautiful sunset, trees, fields, and it creates in you this like, wow, there's something deep, profound, beautiful behind this. And someone could mistake and think, oh, it's nature itself. But all that is, is it's just a signpost to something eternal, mm. something even realer than what this world can off offer. Watch what Elder Christensen says. He says, the gospel message is a message of hope, of good tidings of great joy, and the means whereby all can experience peace and occasions of joy in this life and receive a fullness of joy in the life to come. Hmm. So there's something about it where you know I can get it in glimpses and pieces and I can put myself in a position to receive it more and more and we'll talk about that, how to do that in just a second. But I know ultimately it's so good, so powerful, so deep that it could only come from being in the presence of the divine. Hmm. And and I, 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 he almost gives a litmus test for what he's going to call joy or what he says the scriptures typically call it. You would ask yourself after having some sort of experience, was it profound? Was it elevated? Is it enduring? And is it life-changing? Mm. And maybe that would be a way of differentiating what you might define as, or he's saying is happiness or pleasures or whatever like that. But, you know, is it, is it those four things, you know? Yeah. And the, the word profound strikes me there because language escapes us. Uh, if yeah, I, if yeah. I try to define it, box it in, uh, control it, it becomes more and more difficult to, to experience it. It's something that I can't come up with the words to have for it. And our mm. culture tries to, they could say, oh, this is synapses firing in your brain or whatever. And, 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 but those who experience it know, uh, it is, it is beyond words. Yeah. Okay. So th there's this line that kind of, uh, um, I think is going to help us answer this a little bit. What I was asking you <laughs> where he says, the joy we speak of is a gift yet it comes with a price. And immediately my mind goes toward, okay, what's the price I have to pay? And I love that he says, it's not cheap or casually given, rather it's bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so it's a gift and it's purchased and it had a high purchase cost for me to be able to experience it. And I don't know, maybe even knowing what the cost was is part of what the joy is. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, 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 in one of our earlier episodes, I, I quoted Lewis or paraphrased him as saying, you know, pleasure is often in our power, but joy never is. It comes as an act of grace. Hmm. And we're going to learn how we put ourselves in a position to receive this kind of joy. Okay, but say that line one more time. So basically what Lewis is saying is I often can get myself to, you know, have uh, enjoyable experiences, right? I go to a baseball game or whatever, or I have a nice Frosted meal. flakes or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> immediately what came to my mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, frosted flakes. I can see that you have a refined palate, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then the kind the joy as this phenomenon that we're talking about seems 
to to escape my capacity to to control it. Right. Okay, so let's get to that because he says you're created to have it in the beginning of the talk. You're in it's your intended destiny, and God actually wants to share it. Okay, can we like, say something about that? He's not trying to hide it, right? He's like it's he's like chomping at the bit to give it. It seems that's right, and I and I just I love that so much what you're saying because sometimes as religious people or Christians, we think the life of a religious person just means suffering, hmm. and I, I it, it almost can feel wrong to seek after joy. Uh, watch what watch what Elder uh, Christensen says. We were created to have joy. It is our intended destiny as children of a loving Heavenly Father. He wants to share his joy with us. The prophet Lehi taught that God's plan for each of us is that we might have joy. So it's it's not selfish to seek after joy. In fact, in some sense, to seek after joy is really to seek after God, mm-hmm. to seek after him. And... I'm not sure why, but we often will sacrifice and give up a lot to be disciples. And we sort of carry it as a badge of honor or to prove how righteous we are if it just makes us miserable. But we sacrifice, we give up. Why? To get more joy, to experience more God in our life, not not the approval of others or not to be seen as a super righteous person or something like that. Is that selfish though? Like if I'm like... <laughs> you know, if I'm like sacrificing, it's like, wait, why are you sacrificing? It's like, oh, to experience more joy. I, I don't, based on what he's saying here, I don't think it is. I, I think that's the question that all of us wrestle with. I think it's a really important and honest and pure question, but I think it's okay. In fact, it's, it's authentic. It's well, our nature. Yeah, and I wasn't, after joy. I guess I'm not setting myself up. I really wasn't asking that to like set myself up, but I just almost feel like one of like the way I view um, the commandments of God is he's he's almost teaching us these are the pathways to experience it. You know, like there are there are like almost like rules of relationship, right? That no are question. they're natural. They're like no one, like they're not arbitrary, but it's just like in order to experience a joy-filled relationship, it would require sacrifice. Like that's just like part of the nature of how, I mean, there's a way you grow a peach tree and there's a way you grow a relationship. And it seems like one of the ways to experience joy in relationship is sacrifice, and right? I think, yes, yes. And um, did I cut you off? No, no. I think the reason why is because you're making... You're seeing the other when you sacrifice. You're saying, I'm making room for you. I'm making space for your will and desires, whether it's in a marriage or a friendship. And ultimately, the most important relationship, our relationship with God. You're saying, oh, I'm, uh, like, for example, take tithing. You say, God, I'm, I'm offering this tithing because I know that you want to bless all of your children in, a multiple, in multiple ways, whether it's through the building of temples or chapels or whatever, however tithing is spent. And we say, I'm making room for your will in my life, mm, right? Yeah. That's, I think, uh, that's one of the rules of relationships, yeah. Right. So, and and he lists one of them, he really focuses on one of them, and that is repentance, right? Repentance is the pathway to joy, which is interesting because if someone's like, okay, how do I seek after joy? The answer that he decides to focus on is, oh, repentance. I don't know if that's the best way, or if it's just how, what he felt like inspired or prompted to talk about. I don't know. If you were to say the best way to experience joy as a Christian, how would, like, how would you answer that? Well, 
my 13 year old self would have been scared to death of the word repentance. But now repentance just means turning to God, means worshiping him, learning to become more like him, centering my life on him. And so I, I think, yeah, that's, um, I think repentance just means getting closer to God. So you would say, uh, is, would that be your same answer then? Like if I would say number one, number one way to experience joy, like as a, as a, as a Christian, would you say repentance? Would you say turning to God? Yeah, I think, I, I think, I mean, it would be tied in with faith in the savior, right? It would also, I think worship and praise would be as a part of that, but it's really hard for me to distinguish faith, repentance, worship. I mean, you look at Alma the Younger and he, Alma 36, we literally see faith in Jesus Christ, a change of heart, mm. him, him exploding in praise towards God. And so for me, it's just a turning towards him. Yeah. Know? I don't know. What do you think? I don't, yeah, because if you were to use that phrase, like it just is turning toward, I, I want to, well, because if you finish that line, he says this, repentance is the pathway to joy because it's the pathway that leads to the savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I want to say relationship with God, the father and relationship with Jesus Christ and relationship with the Holy spirit, I think is the source of joy. I think it's, that's where the thrill comes from is, and relationships are dynamic and they're, and they, uh, and they're gritty and, and, you know, they challenge you in, you're challenged in them. And like, it's, I'm not, it's, I'm not trying to paint like a rainbow, you know, like, yeah. you know, clover fairyland or whatever. I'm trying to say like, like just to be in relationship, the fruit of relationship with God in everything that it entails. And part of that is going to entail him calling me out. Course. It's going to be him calling me to something bigger to like live out. I mean, man, I just think about when you talk about like that longing that happens, it's just like when I, when I'm like trying to live out the purposes God has given me. I mean, we talked last week about that, right? About that God will give you an identity and like, and then give you what like help define your purpose. And I feel like, oh, when I try to live that out, I, okay, this is the example that's coming to my mind is um, I started a practice a couple of years ago where I start a day off and say, um, God, send me on an errand somehow and somewhere today. Like I, I'm, my time is yours and my resources are yours. So send me on one. And then I, I spend the day looking for what that errand is. And, and I just feel like, there's a kind of thrill that comes from feeling like I was in partnership with God and, and then in, in particular in helping someone else out or lifting somebody else's burdens. And just as like, like there's there, I honest to goodness, those are my greatest thrills. I've been to some really cool places and I've ridden some really rad roller coasters and I have gone to some like epic you know, games and I, 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 but like nothing seems to match like what that is like. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think, I think when you talk about that longing, that's what I, it's like, oh man, I feel like I've gotten hints of it there. And yes, he's commanded me to love my neighbor, but I didn't feel like I was living out a commandment. I felt like I was living out relationship. That's perfect. It's beautiful. 
in connection with what you're saying, he says, repentance brings joy because it prepares our hearts to receive the influence of the Holy Ghost. Hmm. To be filled with the Holy Ghost means to be filled with joy. And when we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost, we're not just saying, what we're saying is, is that just means I'm in right relationship with God. Hmm. And to be filled with joy means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Our joy increases as we work daily to bring the Spirit into our lives. That longing is fulfilled and created at the same time through the working of the Spirit. The Spirit represents the presence of God, His influence coming into our lives. And so, Dave, when you say, Father, help me to know how I can uh, run an errand for you today, and then you act on that, that invites the presence of God and starts to give us glimpses of heaven and what it means to be in right relationship with God and with others. Yeah. I think it's cool that at the end of this, you see him use that scripture we used a couple weeks ago where um, talking about the book of Hebrews and and he quotes that scripture of Jesus saying, um, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I, like to me, that's so profound to think that the thing that brings me most joy is actually living out relationship with the Father and the Son. And scripturally, we're learning that that's the thing that brings them the most joy too, is living out in relationship with with me. That's hard to believe sometimes because I'm, if I'm, you know, (laughs) why do they want to hang out with me, you know, like is what I want to ask and say. Um, But because I can easily see why I want to be with them. I read through the gospels and I think I actually would love to spend a day with all my days with Jesus of Nazareth. Like he compelled, I'm compelled, you know, to live um, with him. And then I think it leads me to say, and then I think I'm compelled to live like him, Hmm. you know, where I'm just like, where I yearn to like, Oh, I, uh, the way you do life. um, Say that thing about, John 19 that you were teaching me earlier, because I actually now think that's super cool. Yeah. So, um, when Pilate says, behold the man, one of the literary techniques that John uses a lot that he highlights a lot is dramatic irony. So he loves stories and dialogue where something is being said more than just the literal words on the page. You see this throughout the book of John. And when Pilate has Jesus on trial and he says, behold the man, some scholars think that what is being implied there by John, Pilate not knowing, is that behold, this is the true human. This is what it really means to live out uh, an authentic human life, a life Mm -hmm. of love and simplicity and goodness, truth, the way that Jesus of Nazareth lived. And so, yes, he is, joy came to us through his son, through God's son, and then it also, and then uh, joy modeled for us. The Savior modeled for us how to live a life of, of joy. Yeah, and I, that that's so. But if I long, you know, to have that, and I just get glimpses of it, he says, like it just propels me forward to just wanna. I don't know. I, this yeah. seems really simple to me. Like this, I feel like I'm a pretty joyful human being. I would and, say that. Yeah, and, and I really, if you were to like say, how come, why is that? I, I think I, it, it really would start, and I believe deeply that, that there is a God and that he's, um, that he really loves me 
and and he and he's like pushing me towards greater things in my life and and that he's a living breathing soul you know who uh, i i can know and love and we can talk and I, that, that's like a bedrock of my life it's the basis for my life and and i want to say because i have that in place those roller coasters are funner and the food tastes better and all my other relationships have a sweetness to them that um and i think it's because i springboard everything springboards from you know, from that place, I, that line where he says, this is a message of hope and good tidings of great joy. That's the angel's message on Christmas morning. And I'm just like, they got it. They understood it. And they bursted through the clouds. And you're just kind of like, you, you're understanding something. It's cool that they passed it on. And the message was unto you, whoever you are, is born this day. Like you don't have to wait 10 years to experience it today a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you can experience it in the city of David, just the one down the hill. You know, that this is something you can experience today and even you can, and, and it can, and it can be wherever you are in, in your life. If, I love that so much. One of the best things you've said on the whole podcast was because you've centered your life on God, everything else starts to come alive, starts to sparkle. It's it has that, uh, it's infused with meaning and joy. If joy comes from having the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit with us, that means a meal, a walk, a simple discussion with a child uh, can be little glimpses of eternal happiness and, and eternal joy. So rad, so good, so reviving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm revived. All right, see you next week. 